0: You're listening to a Hindustan Times podcast, brought to you by HD Smartcast.
1: Hi, this is Manjula Narayan, National Books Editor, Hindustan Times, and this is the Books and Authors podcast. It's a weekly podcast where I speak to authors who've got a new book out. Hi, so today we have with us Swapna Little, whose uh, latest book is um, 14 Historic Walks, of Delhi hi Swapna hi Manjula so Swapna like like we were saying earlier you know uh so many books out this year so do you want to talk about that you know start with that and then we'll move into this <laughs>
0: <laughs> that, that is yes this is the third book that is out this year and uh it's just coincidence. It just <laughs> happened that uh, several projects that i had been working on over the last few years came to fruition this year and they got published this year. I'm nowhere near that prolific. <laughs> and I think normal service will be resumed very soon. <laughs> and I've I, I spent quite a lot of time writing each book. So it's not yeah. as if I'm writing that many.
1: Yeah, yeah. I know that's that's what's surprising but this book this particular book is is the new edition of your earlier one which everybody has and everybody refers to right so i mean i was cleaning my bookshelf a couple of weeks ago and i found found the found the earlier edition and i said oh good just in time for winter You know, I have walks walk to Delhi and then I see this uh, and I said, OK, great. So, you know, so you want to talk about that, the popularity of the earlier one, what is different in this one, all that.
0: Um, yes, that book came out in 2011 uh, yes. and early 2011. So it's been quite a while now. Yes. Um, it was a very popular book because that was a time when these heritage walks were becoming a thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, people were beginning to go on these heritage walks, etc. At that time, there were very few organizations which did uh, these kind of heritage walks. Now there are lots of them. Uh, But at that time, there were few. And it, it, so it was, it was a thing, as I said, and people wanted to go on these kind of walks. And of course, some joined regular walks and some, uh, want you know, I thought it would be nice if you can do this by yourself. I mean, you don't always find it convenient to join a guided walk. So this was literally a book that led you by the hand to uh, the sites that I covered. And I covered uh, the most important sites as well as a few somewhat out uh, off the beaten track um, so that was the idea. It was a very, very. Uh, it were It did well. The book did well, but um, for one reason or the other, it was never reprinted after the initial print run, and it ran out. Of, it went out of print very quickly. So for a long time, it remained out of print and people kept asking me, uh, when is this book coming out? And uh, again, a revised a reprint or a revised edition, as I said, it for some reason or the other, it never happened. I used to keep seeing on Amazon, you know, Amazon, you have these random sellers who will uh, uh, put books at crazy prices. And I used to look at the crazy prices it was put at you know, because obviously there, there was a perceived demand for the book. And some some sellers were trying to cash in on that. I said, I'm sorry, but... You know, I don't know where this is coming from, but it, this book is out of print. Anyhow, so uh, finally, speaking Tiger, who's published a few of my other books as well, um, said, "We so this is a revised edition. Now, it is substantially the same as the earlier one. It covers mm-hmm. the same route, more or less the same. But of course, things change. Some things yes. change on the ground, which mm-hmm. is you know, paths get things get locked up, paths change." Uh, some access routes get blocked. So it reflects that. Some practical information like ticket prices, because this is actually a guide. It's not a history book. It's a guide. It will lead you in a very detailed manner through the map, um, you know, those kind of things. I have taken into account that how we navigate our way around Delhi has changed in the intervening years. There's a lot more uh, out there, say, on Google Maps. So to locate a particular building, The older book relied a lot on um, you actually being able to recognize the building through a photograph in the book, for instance. Mm -hmm. Whereas uh, in this time round, I felt that that was not necessary. You just Google it. It will show you the picture of the monument. It will show you exactly where the monument is. So um, those many pictures were not needed. And I thought that would make the book more compact, easier to carry. You know, those are things that one has to look at. Is it easy to carry? yeah you know uh is it light because we are intending that people should carry this around
1: yes yes but uh you know something like google maps of course can't tell or anything online can't tell you things like oh there are these uh grain pits in, in here and be careful <laughs> you know like when you're climbing up that which one was it? this is the fort right the uh, Tugla-ka-baad. Tugla-ka-baad. Yeah, yeah. So stuff like that. So I found that interesting, you know, because uh, I mean, if you're wandering in these places, some yeah. somebody could yeah. very easily fall yeah. into the exactly. pit, know So exactly. So uh,
0: you know, but when I wrote this book even when I wrote this initially, I had already for more than 10 years been doing heritage walks. So I knew the literally the pitfalls. (laughs) If you may put it that way. That... uh, You know, uh, so, you know, it it was when I wrote the book, it was almost as if it was me and my voice leading a group of people uh, on this walk saying, look at that, look at that. What's your step here? Now we need to go right now. We need to cross this road that that's the style in which the book is written as well, Uh, literally taking people on this path. So yes. um, that was a big uh, influence. The fact that I was actually doing physically doing walks. Hmm.
1: So you know, to go right back to the beginning, why did you start doing the walks? You know, this must you must have answered this many times, but for my podcast, once more, <laughs> answer it. You know, um,
0: it's it's an interesting story actually. When I was um, when I was in college, and this was in the late eighties, um, I was already very interested in Delhi's monuments. And I, I just uh, with a friend or two, I would uh, go to Subedar tomb or Red Fort, or Purana Quila, or whatever. Just go for a walk, just try. and I didn't know too many of the less well-known ones, so to speak. So therefore, I used to go to these uh, um, these monuments, look around. I didn't know very much about their history or anything, but I used to just enjoy the sights, and then. Uh, Suddenly, in the late 90s, and then some years passed, and then in the late 90s, what happened was that I suddenly saw this uh, uh, notice in the calendar of the India Habitat Centre saying that uh, they would be having these heritage walks in uh, a group set of four heritage walks. And I said, oh, wow, I want to go and join this. And I did. And I liked it. And um, the person who was in charge of the programs department knew me. Mm -hmm. Harshya Sethi, and she Mm -hmm. said, uh, "Swapna, you are a historian. Why can't you do heritage walks?" And I said, "You know, I'm a historian, but historians don't really know about sites and all. It's this is a fact, by the way. At least in our time, (laughs) this used to be a fact. You could Mm -hmm. be studying history in college. I mean, my college was right next to the ridge, the North Ridge, uh, Mm -hmm. the the North Campus, and." Mm -hmm. The fact that there were these amazing historic monuments over there, we never really went and saw them as historic monuments, you know, we were familiar with Flagstaff Tower and all that, Mm -hmm. but never really as relevant to the history we were studying. (laughs) I mean, it seems silly, but that Mm -hmm. was a fact. And Mm -hmm. therefore, I said, I don't know. She said, no, no, You you can do the research and you can do a walk. And I remember I did my first walk in Chandni Jog, I think it must have been 19, 1998 or something. Mm. And that's how I started doing walks for uh, Habitat Center. Mm. Then when uh, Intag started doing walks, uh, my, uh, by that time I had become interested in the history, studying the history of Delhi from an academic point of view. I started my uh, my PhD. I was doing my PhD already then. And I was uh, uh, Professor Narayani Gupta my guru, really, in many ways, she uh, said, Swapna, why don't you help intact design a few walks for them? Mm-hmm. And I started doing walks for them. I designed walks, I guided other walk leaders to become walk leaders. So that kind of thing, I became interested in uh, walks as a way of drawing people's attention to the problem of historic sites. And mm-hmm. Historic sites in Delhi uh, have, there are a lot of problems about maintenance, about encroachment, about the need to preserve at all. Mm -hmm. And therefore, Uh, for me, that has been a very important part of why I do walks. I do walks for public for these organizations, for Habitat Center, for Intact. Uh, I've done walks for Speak K, uh, mm. because uh, I'm I'm mostly targeting people who live in the city, who have a stake in its uh, in its future in how it's going to develop and stuff like that. So that is my aim and i'm hoping uh, through a book like this to reach out to more people and you know you can't begin to care for uh, your monuments or your heritage sites or historic districts until you understand them mm. you can't care for something you don't understand so this is the first step for me. you have to understand you'll see what how magical it is and then hopefully you will care what happens to it
1: Hmm. you know i was i often wonder you know when people are going on walks or even if you know somebody's a tour guide for a specific monument and you know we are on like as a nation we are on such a fast growth trajectory that often it's like the past is of no use you know for many people they think that it's irrelevant but we know that it's not or at least people like you and me know that it's not so you know do these ideas kind of I don't know, permeate your talks? Do they like, you know, when you, I'm sure you think about them and, you know, what, how do you like deal with these things? You know? Um Well, when I actually do walks,
0: uh, then of course, and every walk is different because your audience every time is different when you physically need a walk. So there are people, uh, uh, you know, I very rarely have walks that are directed at, the visitor, the tourist. So, uh, you know, but if if I had, then that would be at a somewhat more, um, uh, more, uh, you know, level about look at the wonderful, you know, how yeah. yeah. you are familiar with that kind of thing, right? Yeah. But uh, yeah. most of my walks are directed at people who live in the city. So therefore, I do bring in issues of conservation, uh, what is good conservation, what is bad conservation, why some things need to be preserved how, um, you know, how these can be integrated into uh, development, that is, those are, uh, those are all kinds of issues, what are the problems that, uh, say, like a, a private uh, uh, Haveli owner will face, uh, mm. because they have a heritage structure, they don't know what to do with it, they don't have enough guidance, etc. So all of these issues, yes, do pop up with the, uh, many of them, unfortunately, are out of the scope of a book which is yes. primarily a guide to, to <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah of like that but uh, yes certainly in my in my or in my talks and walks and things like that this figures quite largely
1: hmm. and you know I often wonder when I'm walking around you know old Delhi and stuff and then like these Havelis I mean you can see that they they their that their best was quite some time back with the people still living there and you know they but, but how do they integrate their modern lives with this you know old structure and all the challenges that come with that and when people come and look at their localities also you know with i mean you know you're also part of this uh, exhibit almost yeah. so all these things you know how do uh, in your experience how is it uh, tackled
0: it is difficult it is difficult because uh Now, of course, one of the things that has happened between the first edition and the second edition of this book is that walking tours have really taken off. Yes. Many, many many bodies are doing uh, these uh, walks. And uh, I mean, I I can't keep track of them, of course. And I have no way of knowing uh, how good or bad any of them are, are mostly. I mean, those I'm not familiar with. So I don't know what exactly is. But the sheer volume... Uh, is a little, you know, is on the one hand, it is good that this is seen as something that is uh, that is worth doing. Uh, that the fact that it's drawing attention to heritage areas, but uh, in senses in which it can be an intrusion, yeah. uh, is 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 of course un- understood. And it would, I think, the only excuse that we would have is in some way if we give back, if those walks actually help to draw attention to the problems, and uh, then lead to an addressing of those problems. Mm. Unfortunately, so far, not much of that has been seen happening. So um, I'm not telling, I'm not saying that this has made a huge impact in that regard. Mm -hmm. But I always live in hope that maybe that's going to be the next step and it will happen sometime or the other. Incidentally, again, uh, one thing you may want to ask and I uh, you know, anybody might want to ask is why a book, uh, why the second edition of the book when now there are so many walks. You know, you mm-hmm. don't need uh, to address. Is there is there a gap? Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, for that, I would say that there is, I think, still a gap because there are people who come back to me also and say that you know we have uh, attended this walk and um, you know these things were said, which we don't think is quite right. You mm-hmm. know, so. Uh, so so there is a huge uh, you know a, a, a gap in the quality of yes. many of these talks that are led uh, some of them are very slickly packaged and uh, you know it, it, a lot of it is about how well one communicates how well um, one sells it you yeah. know so the all many of these tours have very catchy um, titles and uh, you know have I'm sure people who are very engaging, but mm-hmm. uh, there are I mean you know a lot of people who've uh, followed my walks are those from intact for instance and intact mm-hmm. members and those who are actively involved in intact are uh, very well uh, read and quite familiar <laughs> with heritage and, and often they find that you know some right so they have got that kind of feedback. so what I think, therefore, we still need books that will give you, uh, you know, balanced and uh, hopefully well-researched and informed views. So I think there is still a scope for a book like this.
1: Mm. Yeah, and also, you know, uh, again, this also makes me think of, you know, guides of historic uh, locations who sometimes just... I mean, they're just waffling. They it's fiction what they're saying, (laughs) you you know. So, I mean, that sort of thing also, I'm sure, appears in some walks. So, when you, I mean, how how does how does the in a place where like everything is out there in the market, right? And there's no curation. So, how does uh, somebody who maybe is absolutely ignorant about Indian history steps in and decides that I want to go for a walk? uh how is they? how do they choose so maybe with a book like this it helps does it
0: uh, that's what i'm hoping i'm hoping that uh, you know people will see this as uh, as an authoritative mm-hmm. uh, at least a starting point i mean yes. you know i have not tried to make it a compendium
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: you know uh, i'm not pretending that this will tell you all that there is to be known about the red fort
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that's mm-hmm. not what some, somebody who's visiting a site really doesn't need that.
1: Yes, yes, And they're
0: not looking for that. They're looking for a good basic introduction to what the place is, what its buildings are, what they should be looking at. Very yeah. often when you go to a place, okay, you're looking at the building. But if somebody says, look at that bit, what does this mean? What does this tell you? You know, that's what i tried to do. So it is a guide to that place. If you then want to, you know, do your further research, you want to read a little bit more about the Red Fort after your visit, and all you can you can always do that. So mm-hmm. as I said, this is a this is a little guide. Now I am hoping that I mean, and this is a hope. You know, if you talked about how can one choose, mm-hmm. it is difficult. There are so many options out there. There are people leading walks, etc. How do you pick and choose? You can't. There is no grading system. In, in right. fact, earlier, there used to be this, you know, the uh, uh, archaeological survey of India used to very tightly police uh, only their license guides could operate inside the ticketed monuments and stuff like that, right? That right. kind of, uh, that also was a very exclusive, uh, you know, a policy that excluded, in fact, walks like the heritage walks conducted by Intact, which made no sense. Mm. Uh, but... Uh, uh, so, while that relaxing of that has, I think, improved matters because, in any case, one could not even assume that all uh, ASI guides, uh, ASI license guides were also uh, completely, uh, you know, the best that were there. In yeah. fact, Intact, I remember many years ago, Intact used to do these refresher courses for guides also. And okay. I remember having done, done a few of the uh, site visits with the guides which was a good thing I think that mm-hmm. the guides who used to work in, in the monuments in the world mm-hmm. heritage monuments etc that their their uh, skills should also be upgraded from time to time their knowledge should be upgraded so I think that was it. but but as I said that kind of um, is not the case anymore and anybody can go anywhere and do this so uh, therefore it does become difficult and there's really I don't see how one can uh you know, as soon as we start to set standards as to who is good and who is bad, then it becomes a question of who, what history you're saying and yes. whose credentials, And you know, it, it's a very complicated thing. So yeah. I'm just hoping that uh, people uh, hopefully know me as a historian, and uh, will uh, listen and maybe read my book and use that as a guide.
1: Hmm. Okay, of the 14 walks, you know the. Do you want to talk about the? You know the. Maybe start with the easiest walks, if, as a kind of introduction to the listener. Well, yeah, there are.
0: Uh, so the, there are different kinds of walks. I I started with. I mean, I included the most well known sites also. And for instance, Kutub Minar, Red Fort, Humayun's tomb these are very well visited already. They figure in various, uh, you know, your regular visitor's guides to Delhi, etc, etc. There's tons of information floating around on the net. Uh, why do you need to uh, talk about this as well? Again, because uh, A... You know, it's easy to just string information about various buildings. Yes. But to actually chalk out a path which you should follow Hmm. um, and give a context to the site, what the site is, how to understand the site, how did it develop? Uh, so understand the place, understand the particular route and um, give that kind of information. I think that was necessary even for the very well-known sites. So, I, I, you know, those are included. Uh, most of the important ticketed monuments are included. Tubla Ka Bad, uh, Sabdar tomb, Purana um, Kila, uh, yeah. all of these are uh, definitely part of them. There are some which are uh, very, very... Important um, archaeologically, historically, but are kind of out there. They are, you know, they are what we call our historic precincts. These are historic areas in the day, in Delhi. One is of course Shajanabad. That's old yes. Delhi. You know, you can't have a box book without having that. But I included just one just one overall walk there. I mean, you can have many, many different walks in that space, but just one yes. representative one I included, which takes in, uh, again, the most essential parts of Chajahanabad. Yeah. And then things like Khirki. Um, Khirki. Yeah. when yeah. I was writing the book, uh, you know, this, this selected all the wall, Malls which have come up in Saket were not really that big at that time. So it was not something, a place which was very well known. Kirki is very well known now. But I don't think the monuments themselves are quite so well known still. So uh, that is there. So so there are these uh, places which are less uh, well appreciated. Kashmiri Gate. Uh, mm. you know what is there beyond kashmiri gate in kashmiri in that kashmiri gate area mm. uh, mehroli archaeological park very yes. important site yeah. and has started to get uh, it has started to get more tourist and other uh, attention but just to have a nice uh, route to follow and some information about what the site is. You know, those kind of things uh, uh, are included in that. Horse casts, uh, again, very well visited, but people often don't go to the monuments. When they go to the monuments, of course, there are signboards that were put in. But to have an actual route to follow, uh, I think helps.
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and also uh, um, something like you know when again I mean I suppose when you lead a walk uh, through these places you can point out to even the new structures that have come and are sort of like now people know them but they don't know the ones that were there hundreds of years ago right So
0: that's true that's true I mean uh, you know many of these historic places have got hidden behind uh, what uh, we understand as the new city yes. uh, that has grown up around them. So yes. the malls s- are in Saketa, well known. Could uh, probably less well uh, known. The Hoskhas village, uh, of course, at the time when I first wrote the book, Hoskhas village was already a big thing uh, mm-hmm. as a as a shopping and eating destination. Uh, yeah. But uh, the the historic. Aspects of it were less well known. Even now, people sometimes say um, the Kwaskhas They think it's a fort, right? And it's the horse. It's the Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> horse and the and the Madarsa which is around it, yes. So uh, so therefore, uh, I think uh, just to understand these places and, and it would make a nice expedition, you know, you if you go to Horskas, in any case, you're going there to visit a restaurant or something. It might be nice to take a little uh, detour and do this also because mm. these are very lovely buildings and they have such lovely histories around them. Mm. And uh, one of the things that I uh, have done here. And uh, I hope uh, that is something that people will uh, enjoy. Is that I've used a lot of um, interesting quotations from travelers' accounts, history accounts, and all that, and put them in, you know, Uh, just to make it uh, more uh, kind of interesting. What did people, what did somebody um, 300 years ago say about Huayu's tomb? Yeah. You know, Uh, so those kinds of things.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah,
0: exactly. So that is one of the things that I uh, have included there as little asides in the whole narrative.
1: Mm. Um, and actually, one of the things that came up when I was like going through the book was that I was it struck me that you know we think of this as the new city, but every I'm sure every one of those cities they were. Because, like, when they were saying Naya Mandir or whatever, you know, every one of those cities thought of themselves as the new city. Like, right. So this is the one striking thing about Delhi. Do you want to talk about that?
0: Well, this is something that I have written about elsewhere uh, in various articles and things about how Delhi, the name Delhi, has been associated with political power and how... uh, uh, Delhi is quite unique in some ways. That that same city, it gets relocated mm. from time to time. The mm. earliest Delhi, what we call Delhi, the name associated uh, th- that that is associated uh, the name the site that is associated with this name mm. Delhi, actually is the area around Kukubinar. It mm. is the Lal area. So that's the first part that gets the name uh, Delhi. Mm. So when they find, found found the new city uh, shortly in the in the towards the second half of the 13th century this mm-hmm. is uh, young uh, ruler kekwad he mm-hmm. founds a new city in near kilokri you know the kilokri gao near ashram chowk in delhi oh. they, there he he founds a city there and relocates himself there and that comes to be known as Shehere no which means naya Sheher. The mm. new city. Mm. So there is this always, and you know, uh, Jalaluddin Khulji, when he comes to the throne, he's crowned there. He uses it as his capital for the first year also. So mm. that is the second city of Delhi, so to speak. But anyhow, what I'm saying is that if, you know, for various reasons, new cities, new sites keep getting picked over older sites. And mm. each of them becomes the new Delhi. <laughs> and the old, old part is then relegated to old Delhi. So it's very interesting. If you look at early twentieth-century maps of um, Shahjahanabad, you know mm. Jahan City, you will mm. see that it is labeled as Modern Delhi. <laughs> it is labeled as Modern Delhi, huh? Because it's the la, it's the se- seventh, uh, you know, it's the seventeenth-century city after many other cities had been formed. Then, uh. when New Delhi gets built in the nineteen tens and twenties, when they build New Delhi, then Shahjahanabad becomes Old Delhi. Yes. Yeah. So so you know, this is what happens. This this old and new is always a very interesting relationship in Delhi. How Delhi, the name Delhi has been shifting from site to site.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and the Tughlaqs probably thought of that as the new I mean they they were the new <laughs> yeah. people.
0: Yeah. So there is this uh, temple I talk about in uh, in uh, shahjanabad which is quite yes. well known. It's in Dharampura. Yes. It's called the Naya Mandir. And yes. Naya Mandir is now uh, like uh, more than two centuries old, right? So so the problem is that, you know, people started calling it Naya, Sar- Naya Mandir. Uh, but because at that time it was new and then that name persisted. But the temple, of course, has actually become quite old. And then yes. Nai Sadak. Nai Sadak, which is uh, in uh, just off the Charni Chowk, uh, yes. uh, you know, where uh, the town hall is the old town hall. That yes. was actually Edgerton Road. But people started calling it Nai Sadak because at that time it was in the, when it was built in the 1860s, it was a news road. So that's why people call it Nai Sadak. And now that become, that's become the official name now, I think. You know, if, nobody knows it as anything except Nai Sadak.
1: Yeah. So this is a constant so motif for uh, in in Delhi at least. I mean, I don't see it yeah. in other cities so much. I mean, nobody says old Bombay. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 So, uh, tell me, which is your personal favorite walk?
0: Personal favorite walk. Well, every time somebody comes to me and says. Will you do a walk for us? And it's, this happens with colleges and stuff quite a bit. I do mm-hmm. walks for colleges and schools. I, I try not to say no to colleges particularly because I think it's very important to do these for students. And they will ask me, where should where would you want to take us? And I'd say, let's start with the Qutub Minar. Because the mm-hmm. Qutub Minar is a site. And there are two things. One is it's a very important site. It is a site where we have a, a Qutub Minar to uh, definitely. And to an extent, the areas around it, which is Mehrali Archaeological Park and the Mehrali village, have structures dating uh, from the middle of the 11th century, right down to the 19th century. So it's like a kind of a cross section of Delhi's his archaeological architectural history. So yes. from that point of view, it's very, very important. Moreover, secondly, this is a site which could most do with some intelligent interpretation. Yeah, because I find that uh, what and what and I have overheard. You know, it's very funny when I go to these sites. I often overhear what guides are saying about these <laughs> buildings. Uh, you know, I overhear them, and I'm. Uh, I usually manage to restrain myself to not say anything. My God. But <laughs> I, I, I hear such rubbish being talked sometimes, you know, about yeah. what these buildings are, what they mean, what their history is, etc. That I feel that this is one site that could do with. Uh, proper uh, interpretation. There is no interpretation center, unfortunately. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, I think it, uh, it it really benefits from that kind of explanation. So I like to take uh, people to Qutub Minar. And I say, if you go to the Qutub Minar, if you, uh, if you actually look at the buildings, understand what they are about, you can understand a lot about the evolution of architecture in Delhi, about the culture that developed in Delhi. Also a lot about Indian history and culture uh, as it has developed and what we have now today. You know, Mm -hmm. the historic underpinnings of um, our cultural background, particularly what we call our composite culture. So Mm -hmm. you can see a lot of that if you understand the Qutub Minar in a meaningful manner. And I've uh, tried to do that through this book. Mm -hmm. Incidentally, the only picture, uh, you know, as I said, the uh, photographs as compared to the older edition were cut down for practical reasons you don't need to show a uh, image of the qutub minar people know what the qutub minar looks like right yeah. but it yeah. has included several of the details you know the details uh, of uh, you know architectural details ornamental details yeah uh, the The Ganga,
1: yeah, yes, all that I noticed,
0: yeah. Or, or, uh, you know, or architectural features, architectural forms that we want people to understand what is a Chadja, what is a Kalash, what is a, uh, you know, all all these kind of things, uh, which often get talked about, but then people don't know what it looks like, you know. So we included that in the glossary, we've included pictures so you can look at it, you can understand what it is. So so those are the kind of details that we want people to look at, not just some pretty stories, you know, I mean, there are lots of stories which are there. Uh, and and I've, of course those are included also, but as mm. I said, there's no end to interesting stories and legends and things like that about what happened here, et cetera. And people can get it to many sources, but the emphasis here is on the site.
1: Mm. Mm -hmm. and i saw that you know you've highlighted how the master builders uh you know put their uh, sanskrit whatever impression signature in in the structure you know those things are really nice and like you said that's what brings up so then you may it makes you think about the people who are working with these turks you know the the the, well in, in now one can't say indigenous i mean at that point they were indigenous yeah you know, yeah. uh, those people working with these uh, newcomers. And what that created was this fantastic structure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so so I think w- w- what I have as
0: an advantage is that I actually read history books. And, you know, <laughs> books written by historians. So it's a fact, you know, a lot of people leading walks and a lot of people uh, who are, uh, you know, uh, are not going very, you know, I look, look at the more, uh, uh, you know, more academic reading also yes so therefore I go into these things and I uh, read up around it and uh, get to all of that
1: hmm. which brings me to to this point you know like your your moorings are solidly academic so how do you bridge that you know you how do you bridge the divide with the non-academic person you know when you're leading these walks because. Yeah. of
0: course, what has always helped me is the fact that I do have this uh, academic background. It gives me insights, access to sources. I know where to go and look for uh, books to read on the subject, which are a little beyond the regular kind of guidebook thing happening. So uh, I do that. Uh, of course, as you very rightly point out that there is then that, that danger that one becomes overly academic. Now, uh, for me, what has helped is that Actually, I've never been a part of academia, so to speak, in the sense I've never taught in a college or a university or something like that. I've always, uh, in, uh, uh, while I have continued to write to some extent, uh, you know, as I said, a PhD, also some in academic journals and all a little bit of uh, that kind of writing. But most of whether it's my writing or it's my walks have all been aimed at a general public. Who are not academic? So I've always been pushed to um, uh, whether it is talking or writing to use language that is easy to uh, not to use um, uh, more uh, complex, uh, I, uh, you know, uh, complex ideas, but in simple language, jargon-free language. So that has always been something that I've done. So it, it's not so difficult uh, eventually for me, whether it is in a book or in other kinds of writings, and when I read one. Walks, of course,
1: mm. but is that because you've been reading walks that you're able to do
0: that? Maybe it is because uh, I mean, much before I wrote any books, I read walks, mm. and then I realized that you know I am talking to people who are not familiar with the kind of concepts and ideas that we as historians in the classroom may be familiar with. So I have to give uh, the kind of examples I give, uh, etc., and I and I do try to. Um, incorporate people's understanding. People understand the world they, they live in. They mm. understand. So, you know, when I'm talking about, for instance, the arch, uh, the false arch, which is in the Kutub complex, Mm. and i to explain to people why indian builders built that arch like shape which is not really an arch i use the term jugaad <laughs> because jugaad is something that people understand they understand mm. how that works it's a concept that people understand and that's exactly what those builders are doing they don't understand what are uh, you know what arch making principles are but they are being told by these uh, soldiers that you now make this shape So they just kind of make their shape in whatever way they can. It's a jugar. So, um, you know, that's the way uh, in which I try to get the point across.
1: Okay. Okay. What, according to you, is the most... In this book, I mean, there are uh, varying degrees of uh, toughness in the walks, right? So which one, according to you, is the toughest? Oh, (laughs) you know,
0: I I never... uh, you know, there are some heights that have to be climbed in the uh, in the Tughlaqabad walk. There, there are some inclines. There's a lot of undergrowth sometimes that you have to uh, go uh, through the pits as you were talking about, <laughs> which you have to be careful about. Yeah. So, so those kind of things are there. If uh, if you go to the Mehroli Archaeological Park, there's a steep uh, set of flight of stairs that you have to climb up to go to Kuli Khan's tomb, that kind of thing. Uh, of course, a lot of people will say that when you you're talking about Delhi, even even the roads, you know, if you're trying to, if you're walking in Kashmiri Gate and trying to cross that road, that in itself is an adventure sport, you know. <laughs> so so yes, there are, but I have in every walk, uh, tried to include, you know, difficulty level, i tried to give some idea of what people can expect. Uh, from a particular walk uh, about, you know, uh, there are some uh, monuments which may actually be um, accessible for wheelchairs. Hmm. right so yeah. for instance Kutub Minar, Kutub Minar yes. I think according to me is the most accessible of those uh, buildings because a lot of the buildings actually have ramps up to them so okay. that's worth knowing uh, that these are so I've said easy walk difficult walk busy roads <laughs> so that kind of uh, thing to help people understand where uh, what, what kind of terrain they can expect also what amenities there are I think this was worth noting also you know <laughs> yeah. that you, if you go to Kutub if you go to uh, uh, Meheroli, uh, sorry, if you go to Tughlaqabad, actually, for instance, you will find it difficult to even get water at the site. Yes. You yeah, know, <laughs> yeah.
1: There's nothing so there. that is worth knowing. Yeah. yeah really it's worth there.
0: knowing. Yeah. But it's great <laughs> to
1: you mentioned that, you know, you go on top of that burj and you can see and that there's a real great panoramic view. And, you know, when you stand on top, you think, God, like 700 years ago, they saw the same thing almost. I mean, the view, except yeah, new yeah, buildings yeah. have come up. But, um, yeah. you know, so that kind of strikes you, but the lake and stuff, I was trying to imagine, I mean, from my memory of that place, you in the book, mm-hmm. you say that there there's a plain where, which used to be like, it used to be filled with water to make it a lake so that water. it's difficult to access, yeah. but uh,
0: yeah, today it's of course very difficult to imagine many of those things. Even though the immediate surroundings of Tughlaqabad are not quite so built up, there's yes. quite a lot of green area still around. Yes, yes. Uh, but uh, but still, it's very difficult to understand what it might have been like. The fact that uh, in on Ghiyasuddin Tughlaq's tomb that it stands on a on a uh, really rocky outcrop, which would have been like just the rock jutting out of the water so mm. uh, those kind of things are very difficult to imagine today but um, of course the whole idea of going to a walk on a walk and seeing these places and uh, looking out around you is to try and understand what it might have been
1: mm. in those
0: uh, days
1: yeah it's interesting that you included that story about Firoz tugluk trying to get forgiveness for his predecessor I mean <laughs> That's so sweet of him. Even across all these centuries, I and mean, wow, what a nice man that he's actually bothered about this horrible fellow and what he's done, you know. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. The, the it, it's uh, yeah.
0: Tukla Kabat is a is really a lovely walk simply because it has so many aspects to it. There is the wildlife, you know, you still see yes. an occasional Neil guy, you'll yes. see interesting birds and butterflies and things like that. And you have these structures, and many of them are ruins. But there are some beautiful ones like the Yasuddin yeah, Tughlaq's tomb itself. And there are so many stories, yeah. you know, I've included yeah. the Nizamuddin stories also yes. in this um, yeah. a bit the tussle between um, Muhammad Tughlaq and uh, Di zaman Olia, so uh, sorry, kiasu diin tuh black Olia yeah mm-hmm. so so those kind of stories and then of course this uh, Lakhwan, how he comes to the throne and he decides to do this so these are these are uh, uh, you know liven up the whole thing because it's not only about architecture and history it's also these um, you know these very strong <laughs> traditions that we have uh, mm-hmm. of folklore and um, belief that is there you know in the miraculous paths of Mishamuddin Aulia and stuff like that so yes. um, all of that makes for what I hope it will be an enjoyable walk through Tughlaqabad
1: yeah yeah so um and and then even even in the in the Mehroli Park you know like when one wanders through that park and you know you know that's that the folly and stuff but I didn't know that I mean I think in one of your earlier books you had mentioned there's a section where this major smith was vilified for what he did for what he did but then you know I just I mean, when you go to the park, you see the folly. Anything? Oh, what is this thing? It doesn't fit in with all this. And then when I read that bit in the book, I, I, it put two and two together, and everybody was so disgusted with it that they removed it and left it far away from the uh, uh, from from the monument. Huh?
0: Well. Actually, in Mehrauli, there are several follies. One mm. is Major Smith's folly, which was actually the Chhatri, which, which was on top of um, the Kutub Binar, which is yes. actually in the Kutub complex itself. And Ooh. then you have this other guy who is uh, Thomas Metcalf. Oh, oh Ma- Metcalf. Thomas Metcalf is the one who uh, converted the... A tomb of Kuli Khan, who was Akbar's <laughs> foster brother, into yes. a house. And yes, really well, weird. Yeah. He used they used to they used to actually their dining room was on top on the tomb chamber, right on top of where the grave was. So what? they uh, they made this into a room uh, into a house. And uh, therefore, uh, and you know, he decided to build these different things, odd things. He built because he built these little chhatris, He built uh, pyramids, two pyramids, which are there. Yeah, <laughs> they are into it in the Kutub Binad walk. So his follies are of a different uh, So there are many follies in that area. <laughs>
1: But this—why would he live in this tomb? Why would his holiday home be in the tomb? This I could never figure out. It's some eccentricity. I, I don't like what is it? Why
0: would you? You know, his daughter has left behind memoirs, uh, which talk about this and about how this uh, estate that he built around this tomb, how it worked, and describing it, etc. And she kind of mentioned it in such a uh, matter-of-fact manner as to you know, this was done. <laughs> nobody said oh, uh, you know it was not something that they thought about very much it was okay it's like uh, any other building
1: a tomb <laughs> <But> there's <laughs> a, a body in of. there nobody interred in that tomb
0: <laughs> yes uh, I, I, evidently it was not something that uh, just crossed their minds for some reason
1: god <laughs> that's bizarre <no>? attitudes <laughs> are <laughs> <laughs> <Maybe, laughs> <they're> very different <laughs> I mean, even now nobody really lives in tombs. Even very poor people yeah. encroach tombs. Do they?
0: Actually, you'll be surprised. There oh. are tombs. You look at my uh, <laughs> the Meroli village walk. Huh. I have Talked about as you exit from Zafar uh, Mahal, mm. you come out from Zafar Mahal and you uh, proceed further into the bazaar, and there you will see, in fact, that there is this, uh, there are these tombs which have almost been completely disappeared behind these. Uh, Houses which have been built not only on them or with them, just incorporating them. And there are many tombs which have become residences.
1: Then we, we can't blame the medcalfs for <laughs> their I suppose everybody just thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. So it's happening still a lot.
1: Okay. Okay, now let's talk about the central vista walk as well. How, how have you like, you know, that's also quite interesting, though, you know, one doesn't think of it in the same way as, you know, you think of the, of Tughlaqabad, you think of, you know, the Mughal side of the city. See, do you want to talk about that? I think the Central Vista
0: walk is a very important walk because, uh, you know, many of these walks, really what they are doing is they are taking representative uh, parts of historic cities, right mm-hmm. which are in delhi uh, Kutub minar purana kila tughlaqabad um, you know all of these are uh, very imp- these were citadels or important parts of the cities that we are talking about mm-hmm. and new delhi is def- definitely a very important city as well
1: yes which the yes.
0: british built and yeah. Central Vista is the core core of that city.
1: Yes, and
0: it has some of the most monumental buildings. Yes. This is also one of the longest walks that there are, and I have, uh, in fact, I have uh, pointed this out that you might want to do this. Uh, partly, um, you know, you can you can walk it. You can take a some sort of transport. Also, you can do if you know you understand bikes. how long. Yes, so. Uh, and it has two aspects one side of course is all the government buildings the secretariats the rashtrapati bhavan and vijay chowk and so on and the other side are all the, the princely houses as well as the War memorial hmm. and now all of that was not there wall memorial was not there when i wrote the first edition right so that required yeah. a full overhaul of how i described the place etc so okay. uh, all of that is uh, there, but uh, it is very much a part of this narrative of, uh, I didn't want to put, put it like, you know, uh, these many cities of Delhi or whatever it is, but it is very much a part of that. It's about in that series of historic cities and Central Vista is definitely one of those. It's the last uh, city that was planned in Delhi, New Delhi, mm. and it is essential to that
1: yeah yeah so you know i mean we can go on talking about this and uh but the one thing i mean it's then you know when i was reading your book all these things about the multiple cities of delhi and about how each set of new rulers uh, you know left their impression on the city you know by maybe building a new capital or by like now transforming the central vista you know so this is part of a tradition that has been going on forever i guess so uh and so yeah so one can keep talking about these walks and i think what's the great thing about this book is that everybody can use it now in the coming winter like when everybody's out on the street actually taking these walks so thank you so much for talking to me and for the for the listeners go out and get 14 historic walks of delhi by swapna little it's um whether you're from delhi or you're just going to be visiting it's worth picking up because it's really useful and uh, i mean well, enjoyable as well, for with with its many stories. So thank you so much, Swapna, for talking to me. Thank you so much, Manjula. It was a great pleasure. Okay, bye.
0: Bye. To stay updated on this podcast, follow us at HD Smartcast on all the major social media platforms.